Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Ah, the family car. We each remember our treasured childhood vehicle differently. For contained multitudes, road trips, soccer gear, melted gummy bears, questionable air conditioning, an assortment of useless maps, one door that sort of doesn't work. But what does the term family car mean to the auto industry? That simple question has led to some dramatically different vehicles. The family segment has had to evolve and change with the times perhaps more than any other type of car. Car companies are constantly having to think of ways to sell old-fashioned practicality to a new generation of car buyers. But what drives those innovations? And are today's sleek and speedy family vehicles really that different from the boats of yesteryear? Today on Past Gas, we're gonna be stuck in the middle seat between our two cousins while dad sings along to Steely Dan's greatest hits because we're going on a journey with the family car. Past Gas Podcast, it's about cars, it's not about ports. What were your guys' family cars? When you were a kid, like, what did your parents drive you around in? Well, our first one was a Taurus wagon. Oh, that's a good one. Dark blue. We had a dot. Well, we had a Wagoneer. That's a good nice. one. Too. Jeep Wagoneer, really cool Classic. car. I might get one one day. Want to have room? Then we had a Dodge Caravan. Mm-hmm. That was a huge piece. I remember it breaking down one day. What color was that? Uh, like a dark blue. And then uh, we had a Volvo Seven Forty. Nice. Um, and when you turned the steering wheel, it would honk. What? <laughs> yeah, oh, every that? time? Yeah. And so we would. The good thing ho- is you don't turn that much when you drive. Yeah. yeah. And my whole family would just like wave <laughs> at people. Because <laughs> we'd like turn and be like, hi. And we'd be like, hi. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Uh, so we had a conversion van. It was a Chevy Astro. Nice. That had mm-hmm. a tent. It had uh venetian blinds it had Whoa. airline airline lights it had a little plug for an n64 in the front That's but sick. we never put our n64 in there but we also had a dodge caravan that's uh, the one that got stolen and i had to go identify the durag <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. but yeah we we took pro- we took three huge road trips in the astro van and it's that smell after a road trip mm-hmm. is very distinct and mm-hmm. if I'm if, like if Old I smell French like a, fries, yeah, or like kind of like stale orange juice <laughs> yeah. from McDonald's. Yeah, I turned an Astro van into a convertible one time. Oh, that's fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, with Dan Brockett. Dan Brockett. After the the wagon, we then got a Ford Windstar minivan oh, yeah. in '98. 
And then after that, we got the Chrysler Down and Country. All minivans. Yeah. 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 Minivans aren't really a thing anymore. No, not really, which is kind of sad because honestly, they're like the best high school car, I think. Yeah. Like if you have a nice, or not a nice minivan, but just like a minivan that runs. Yeah. You got Dude, a bunch I've of room ramped for your so many minivans over railroad tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Chrysler had the, uh, I think a Pentastar V6 in it. Had a surprising amount of torque. My parents just got a Grand Caravan and a, a Grand Caravan, the new one. Yeah, well, yeah, it was what? 2019 or something. But is one of them in a wheelchair? Oh, sorry, Grand Caravan, not Grand Wagoneer. I was thinking. No, no, no. God damn. No, I've. Uh, I don't like the new Wagoneer. It's huge, so massive. Big. But no, they just Caravan, got a yeah. new Grand Caravan. So that's the nice. The and nice I drove it up one. the coast, yeah. and it was amazing. Coming yeah. from the Forerunner, I was like, whoa, I can actually go up a hill in yeah. this thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, minivans are awesome. Uh, Okay, maybe they're awesome. I may overstep. No, they're it. awesome. I think. Okay, I think if you want to be on the next wave of something, I think minivans. You think they're going to make a comeback? I think so. I think so. Uh, when we were at the donut uh, at the uh, the VidCon party that we had a couple weeks ago out at K One Anaheim, uh, someone showed up with a what's the van? The Previa. Oh yeah. The the mid engine supercharged one. The, yeah, he had the supercharged mid mid engine rear wheel drive minivan it yeah was dumped it had sick wheels on it he yeah, had, also come in manual too yeah yeah i don't know if his midship was. it was midship that's right he put like racing seats in it and everything it was really cool i Those forget the cool. guy's name i'm sorry but like that thing was so cool and i was like dude i mean minivans are plentiful they're not fast but like they're unique and i think that's pretty cool like yeah if you, you can do get it, a caravan with a turbo 2.4 and a manual what really yeah oh that was like the first gen yeah, yeah that's cool that's pretty sick. So yeah, Previas are cool. I think our, our buddy Sean has one of those. Sean's got one. He, Sean's he, got one. He had like a car meet at his place. And there's like probably 50 amazing million dollar cars. And then he's like, oh, I got something for you yeah. guys. And he pulls the Previa around. Yeah. And we're all like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but he had it redone. He has like uh, some nice tires. Yeah. And he went and like found a bunch of the original like interior. The exterior is still a little beat up, but the interior is like brand new it was yeah like and really he's like, cool. i know you guys were gonna like this yeah <laughs> no and why don't you tell everybody who we are oh yeah this is the show i forgot welcome to past gas i got so excited by the family vehicles i forgot to do the host intros my name is nolan sykes i'm joined as always by my co-hosts my friends my mentors we got joe weber welcome slime nation keep it winked <laughs> <laughs> and james pumphrey i'm gonna burn their crops and salt the earth <laughs> <laughs> wow and, uh, yeah, this week we're talking about the evolution of the family vehicle in the automotive industry. Um, you know, history kind of repeats. Or it doesn't repeat. It rhymes. I don't know who said that first. But I don't think the crossover SUV. Mm -hmm. Most popular segment in the U.S. I have one. You've got one. I have a performance CUV. And you don't even have a family. I, <laughs> oh my God. I guess I don't. <laughs> I don't think they're that different from. I'd like to. <laughs> the idea is not that different from the huge like post-war sedans of the 1940s and 50s you know get sedan ride quality with the enough space for an suv bam you got a crossover mm -hmm. you know just the form and the shape has changed the idea has not so that's kind of the idea behind this episode is we're going to go through and take a look at the most probably the most important segment in the automotive industry the family 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 <laughs> so yeah a little different than our usual topics no i don't know if we're going to be mentioning any race car drivers this week maybe maybe some were involved but i think I, we might have lee iacocca in here i hope so and uh yeah no trips to the nurburgring well i don't know we might mention that renault espace or Ooh. whatever it's called espace the one that the f1 that engine put the f1 engine in ebussy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we got that mentioned in, so we're covered on that. <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's talk about the family car. If you want to get technical, the first family vehicle was also the first vehicle, period. When Bertha Benz took her husband and business partner Carl's invention, the Benz Patent Motor Wagon, for a long-distance field test in 1888, she split the driving duties with her two teenage sons and officially invented the family road trip. We actually did a whole episode about Bertha Benz's big drive uh, a while back. If you want to check that out, it's a really good story. They had to stop for fuel at pharmacies. 
And then they ran out of fuel on a mountain and had a bunch of people, farmers, uh, push them up the mountain or something like that. Very nice. How courteous of them. The auto industry spent the next several decades focused on making cars reliable and profitable. So it took a while for both demand and technological capability to grow beyond cars that go from point A to point B. But even in the early days of horseless carriages, one of the first varieties of car to emerge was the station wagon. That's right, baby. I miss our Taurus wagon. That thing was cool. I miss my Taurus, my first car. MT5. Apparently it was super rare. Because it was a manual Taurus that wasn't a show. And also was the least powerful Taurus you can buy. So I don't know why they even built it in the first place. But I miss it. Are you having a stroke? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Red Bull right before I started. So I'm like, I'm <laughs> bouncing around. There are a couple of fundamental things that make a station wagon a station wagon. It must be based on a car platform, but with the roof extended backward over a passenger and or cargo space that can be accessed through the rear door. Most of the time, they also have folding or removable seats for extra cargo space, but are built in the same wheelbase and drivetrain of a sedan. That we can agree on, right? Yes. Let's agree on that. Are, uh, are backward seats st still legal? Yeah, Teslas have them. Yeah, you can really? option a Teslas with them, yeah. What? Yeah. Historically, the term station wagon referred to improvised extra-large taxis used by railroad stations to transport upper-class clientele around busy train terminals. Oh, like a train station. Yes, or to go to and from hotels. Back then, they were also colloquially known as depot hacks because they worked around train depots as hackney carriages. It was an immensely creative time. I'm glad they didn't go with depot hacks for station. Oh, that's kind of cool. Hey, how about you hop in a depot hack? Audi RS6 yeah. depot hack. <laughs> okay, that does sound kind of lame. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they're called, though, they're generally manufactured per order by small-scale wagon builders and built with a wooden frame and bench seating on top of a truck chassis. Eventually, wagon builders started advertising in upscale magazines like Country Life selling their wagons to private buyers for the first time. You know, coach-built situation, built to order to your specifications. I'd like to order a wooden car, please. And I'd like a coach to build it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. <laughs> In 1923, Durant Motors became the first car company to offer a factory-built station wagon. Durant Motors was founded by William C. Durant, who, one, previously co-founded General Motors, and two, had the middle name Crapo. Only <laughs> <laughs> my son Crapo. <laughs> what a mean joke. Durant Motors, unfortunately, though, quickly went belly up, as did other subsequent wagon-specific companies with names like York, Ionia, and Hercules. It wasn't until 1929 that one of the major auto manufacturers got into the station wagon game when Ford introduced its very own consumer wagon, a modified version of the Model A. The Model A was Henry Ford's successor to the Model T. It was designed to easily swap out many different body styles, including coupe, roadster, convertible, town car, truck even, and for the first time, as part of a regular catalog, an extra-long, wood-sided, three-row station wagon. You know, you can find Model A's on Craigslist for, like, not that expensive. Yeah, they're, uh, once the boomers uh, start all dying out. All yeah, then we'll have our hands on all yeah, those we'll, nice Model yeah, A's. Yeah, all those mm -hmm. greasy fingers all over them old boomer cars. <laughs> Should do a, a Hilo Model A. <laughs> I think that'd be actually pretty sick. It's one of the worst performing uh, yeah. up to speeds ever. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Ford's wagon was a modest success. They sold all 5,200 of that specific model produced in 1929, but that accounted for just a tiny fraction of the 4.86 million Model A's sold between 1928 and 1931. Whoa, that is a lot of cars. Yeah, that's over a million per year. Ford clearly wasn't that interested in wagons, which opened the door for other car companies to begin exploring the market for a large passenger vehicle if not exactly, a family car. They found that rich folks in particular were eager to buy larger cars. In fact, 
By the late 1930s, sleek, wood-bodied station wagons like the original Chrysler Town & Country, a.k.a. Woody's, became insanely popular in affluent communities, and with good reason. They looked pretty sick. Unfortunately, they also required constant maintenance. The wood had to be revarnished, and bolts would come loose because the panels expanded and contracted as the weather changed. Yeah, I would imagine wood is not a great building material for cars. Better than straw. It is better oh, it than is straw. Better. Yeah, I yeah. didn't think about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Good call. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> In 1935, Chevy introduced the Carryall Suburban, which later became known as just the Suburban. The original Suburban was based on a similar all-metal car built for the National Guard, specifically designed to resemble the popular Woody wagons. This is generally considered the first all-steel wagon, although it was so huge that some people consider it a light truck. It's a big truck. It's a big old truck. It's a heavy truck. It wasn't until after World War II that station wagons became an essential part of the auto industry. In the 1950s, several post-war changes to American life increased the demand for roomier, more comfortable cars. The economy was flourishing. Babies were booming. Mm -hmm. And young urbanites were leaving cities behind for sprawling suburbia. Then in 1956, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, the D stands for Dookie, Dookie. (laughs) pushed through the, he's on the dime. What? I never knew that. That's what the D stands for, dime. Oh. I I hope I never have to touch a dime ever again. Really? This is the littlest coin. It's cute. I just don't, I, I, like, I can't wait to wash my hands whenever I get a handful of change now. I swallow dimes. (laughs) Yeah, just (laughs) every time I get one, I swallow it. It's like when cows eat rocks, they can like or it's birds. Birds, yeah, you're an idiot. (laughs) They don't have gallstones. Oh no! Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's birds. Cows chew. They chew their cud. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I said forget about a cud. That's that's actually my middle name, Cud. Cud. Joe Cud Weber. Joe Cud. Joe Joe Cud. Cud. It's kind of like a cool Joey Cuds. Joey Cuds. Joe Cud Weber sounds like an assassin. Yeah, Joe Cud Weber. His name was Joe Cud Weber. Anyway, (laughs) Dwight Dime Eisenhower pushed through the passage of the Federal Aid Highway Act, which built 40,000 miles of new highway linking all American cities with more than 50,000 people. Eisenhower was inspired by his experiences crossing the country in a 1919 army convoy along the Lincoln Highway, the first road across America. Eisenhower said, The old convoy had started me thinking about good two-lane highways, the wisdom of broader ribbons across our land. That's how people talked back then. All of them. We Let us know if you want us to do an entire episode on that story. The new ribbon that he was referring to was a highway system and it was more modern and better paved than old roads like the Lincoln Highway, allowing for much easier access to distant locales. Suddenly, the family vacation no longer relied on train or boat tickets. And very quickly, having a station wagon in the driveway came to define the typical modern middle-class American family. Car companies jumped at the increased demand, making larger wagons with six or even nine passenger seating to accommodate larger families. Dude, if you have a nine-person family, you're a psychopath. Well, this is the 50s when they were like, I need a, nine children to support me in my old age. Yeah, I need to work. they need to work to farm. I think if you have over three kids now, you're nuts. These days? Yeah. I want two. Yeah, two is a pretty good number. Because then you're, you're like carbon positive with the earth. If it's two people making two people, that's a wash. <laughs> yeah. Zero sum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Station wagons were big cars and big business. In 1955, Ford built 209,000 wagons, accounting for nearly 15% of Ford's overall vehicle sales. Perhaps the defining full-size station wagon of this era was the Ford Country Squire. Well, I'm just a humble Country Squire. Oh, this thing's pretty sick. The Country Squire was introduced as a two-door Woody in 1950 and continued onward for eight generations, surviving just about every possible design change along the way. Even in these relatively early days of family cars, automakers were already trying to create innovative conveniences to help their models stand out. Ford hit on one in 1966 with the Magic Door Gate for the Country Squire. Door Gate. 
We're talking about Doorgate, everybody. We're talking about Doorgate, guys. It's cool. a door scandal. It was developed by Donald N. Fry. The N stands for nachos. <laughs> He's one of the same guys who created the Mustang. Hmm. The magic door gate allows the rear door to fold down like a red girl or tailgate or hinge open to the side like oh, a passenger that's door. That's oh, that's sick. sick. I wish more cars had every that Every car should yeah, have that. for sure. I love a fold-down tailgate. You sit on it. Yeah. You know, iced tea. Play some cards. Lemonade. Eat some pasta salad. Two drinks, dude. Huh? Two drinks? One drink. It's called an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> What's it called again? An Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Try and keep up. In 1969, things got even more magic when they figured out how to make it open up like a hatchback as well. What? What the crap? I don't how even does know that how even to, work? I'm a relatively smart guy, and I can't visualize it. <laughs> It sounds kind of remedial these days, but at the time, it was pretty revolutionary. It does it not sound remedial. Amazing. It sounds amazing. Dude, I want this. That's so cool. There's nothing that parents appreciate more than convenience. Well, they probably appreciate their kids being alive. And <laughs> yeah. a door that can easily <laughs> load in kids or animals or luggage or dead bodies is pretty dang convenient. At 19 feet long, powered by a V8 engine, the Country Squire was a big, bad family behemoth. Its popularity helped station wagons hit their cultural peak in the 1970s and 80s. By 1971, the Country Squire was selling 130,000 vehicles by itself. Kids of the era were delighted by its side-facing seats, magnetic checkerboard. What? Optional CB Dude. radio or hidden rear cargo compartment. Dude, this thing's so cool. It even inspired the wagon family truckster, Chevy Chase's car, and National Lampoon's vacation. Pretty much Every car company out there came up with a competing wagon. From the exotic Chevy Nomad to the ultra-huge Pontiac Safari to the virtually indestructible Mercedes-Benz 300 TD. By the mid-70s, full-size station wagon sales started to sag. Like my pants. Meeting only cold food this summer, and I'm sagging. You're bringing back sagging. Yeah, I'm bringing back sagging. So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, and you like to sag, post a picture on Instagram and tag me at James Pumphrey. What's the what's the hashtag? Hashtag sagging ain't wrong. <laughs> First, the 1973 oil crisis caused gas shortages and 400% price hikes. Uh, yeah. Which made families question the value of a honking V8. Meanwhile, Smaller, more efficient wagons like the Toyota Corolla and Volkswagen Passat entered the market, slowly eating away at sales of bigger models like the Country Squire. Demand for family cars didn't rebound until the mid-80s, and by that point, Chrysler was about to shake up the industry. Oh, we're going to see a little change in the tide here. Like so many martinis ordered by James Bond. <laughs> 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 I'm a big Bond guy. <laughs> big Bond guy, yeah. This Country Squire, dude. I like it. That's cool. Is it stupid that I want to put an angle kit on everything I see now? I think that you should just get as much, as many pounds of car as you can. What does that mean? Yeah, wait. Like, he's got probably 7,000 pounds of car right now. You should I do. continue to get more heavy cars. Yeah. So you have the heaviest car collection in the world. It's crazy that you have two cars that don't even weigh how much that Hummer weighs. The new Hummer. That is weird, yeah. I think weigh 9,000. Yeah. Sheesh. 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 All right. That's bussing. That's (laughs) That's pushing major P. (laughs) That kind of burned out, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No cap. (laughs) Turns out the other guy who created the Mustang won... Lee Iacocca, Iacocca was also interested in revolutionizing family transportation. After clashing with Henry Ford II or Hank the Deuce and getting fired in 1978, Iacocca took over as the head of Chrysler. The company was on the verge of bankruptcy, but Iacocca managed to get it back on track thanks to practicality, particularly by introducing the reliable and multi-use K-car platform. He also brought over a project rejected by Ford called the Mini Max, aimed at bringing the sliding door and high ceiling convenience of a conventional van to a smaller vehicle chassis. In 1983, 
Chrysler presented the results, the Dodge Caravan, the first modern minivan. By stretching the Chrysler K-Car platform, lowering the floor, and adding car amenities, Chrysler established the Caravan as the leading minivan template. It also foreshadowed some of the concepts behind the crossover SUV's popularity today. I wonder what the need was to go from station wagon to minivan. Kidnapping. You can kidnap someone in a station wagon. It's easier with a sliding door. Well, oh. one thing to keep in mind is that these minivans, because it's based on the K-Car platform, it's front-wheel drive, and it has yes. a more fuel-efficient engine. Since we're transitioning from the 70s into the 80s, all these big all these big station wagons that we talked about, most of them are sold with small-block V8s or very thirsty uh, you know, straight-six engines or V6 engines, but mostly V8s. So the fuel economy is horrible. Um, and you know, they, because they were also based on like, we'll say muscle car platforms or architecture, they also had like truck suspension too. So they weren't the most comfortable. Whereas these new K cars for the time, more economical and more comfortable and lighter. Damn. That was a really succinct answer. Thanks. You're welcome, Joe. Yeah, man. You killed that. You think you're better than this? <laughs> you professor of hands. In Harvard, <laughs> think you're better than Joe? No, because it seems like you think you're better just, than Joe. <laughs> I, I just, Joe asked the question I you answered. Talked out my ass him? about minivans for a minute. You, yeah, you have a Harvard accent when you say it. Yeah, so you, you talk with a Harvard me? accent. You think you're better? Think you're better because I, I no. don't know words. <laughs> you think you're fucking better than me? You're not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion. Drive. Patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. As one ad described the caravan, it was designed to, quote, take the place of an economy car, sporty car, station wagon, and van. And it worked. Ooh, oh, good. <laughs> good thing. The caravan and its variant siblings, the Plymouth Voyager and the redesigned Chrysler Town & Country, combined to sell 209,000 vans in their first model year, 1984, and virtually saved Chrysler from financial doom. Rest in peace. By 1991, Chrysler's vehicles accounted for half of all minivans built across the industry. By the latter part of the 90s, Chrysler was selling upwards of 600,000 minivans each year. God, Lee Iacocca was eating the steak every night. Yeah, Lee Iacocca was having a steak and baked potato every day. <laughs> Six whiskeys at lunch. The change in consumer demands once again mirrored social shifts and a new economic boom, which was driven in part by many women joining the workplace for the first time. Families with dual incomes wanted more space and more amenities, which minivans provided better than any other car up to that point. The boxy design and high roof maximized interior space. A sliding door meant you could easily stuff... Children. I was, Other children, not your children. I was going to say half a Little League team in there. And since it was built on a small car platform, it fit in the same parking space as a sedan. But the huge cargo area and rear hatch let it carry everything a suburban family might want to haul. Like a dog's. 
like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that helped the rise of the minivan, they were classified as light trucks. This meant that under the U.S. corporate average fuel economy standard, standards, standards, enacted in 1975, vans were held to a looser efficiency standard than smaller cars. Meanwhile, station wagons were classified the same as sedans and thus had a hard time complying with fuel restrictions. In a weird way, the fuel economy standards actually incentivized automakers to produce larger vans with worse fuel economy. So it sounds like my pontificating about all the benefits of the minivan uh, were actually just undercut by shirking regulations. What are the words you're saying? Shirking? Yeah. yeah, it was Mr. Harvard. Over yeah, there. Is that a Harvard word? Yeah, Harvard word you learned at Yale. <laughs> are you part of the Bones Brigade? Yeah, are you part of the Bones Brigade? Did the you, secret? Did you jerk off in front of your dad? No. <laughs> the Bones Brigade? Isn't that the a, secret a thing, thing? That, that all presidents are part of? Yeah. Well, I did jerk off in front of uh, Dwight Dukey Eisenhower. <laughs> <laughs> Ashes. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> You made a little glue out of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a little cement. Paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> this is making me think about my dad a lot. Not the last conversation, <laughs> but uh, anytime we ever go to a restaurant and uh -huh. we get seated right away and then a bunch of people show up after us, he always goes, well, we got here at the right yeah, time. We got here right on time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Without fail, yeah, like I can see it coming. Yeah, <laughs> or if there's like traffic on the other side of the highway, he's like, "Glad we're not going that way." Yeah. <laughs> you check your moles out, Joe. Do you go to the dermatologist? You guys, I need some moles checked out for sure. I have a weird thing on my arm. I'm Let's pretty sure it's bad. <laughs> I thought you're gonna point to your tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> It's the darker the worse. That doesn't look that dark. Oh, I that little that bad. little dot right there. Yeah, guys, how about we organize like a a group trip? A group trip to the dermatologist. dermatologist. Yeah. We can always save money if we all chip in. Discounted rate. <laughs> we all have to get naked in front of each other. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> we should just get one to come to the office and check out all our moles. That'd be pretty funny. That'd be funny. If you guys want to see us get our moles checked out live <laughs> on YouTube. On an audio yeah. format. <laughs> you can hear us get lanced. I do have a pretty big one on my neck. Anyway. <laughs> Let's stop talking about moles. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> do you guys want us to dedicate an entire podcast <laughs> to our moles and growths? Uh, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Just like with the station wagon, Chrysler's success bred many imitators. There is the Ford Aerostar, the Toyota Sienna, and the Honda Odyssey, and more. Most of them copied the caravan's blueprint pretty much to a T. Rather than further experiment with the form of the minivan, they mostly tried to top each other with interior upgrades like climate zone controls and TVs and the headrests. But Chrysler beat them all with the biggest minivan design innovation yet. It was, drumroll please... A second sliding door. <laughs> These were lean days for invention, but high times for the car companies. The minivan officially conquered the station wagon in 1996, when the last American full-size wagons, the Buick Roadmaster and the Chevy Caprice Classic, were discontinued. The minivan market... <laughs> The minivan market peaked shortly thereafter with nearly 1.4 million vans sold in the year 2000. So, I think the E46 wagon is the best looking wagon of all time. No. Really? Way not. Dude, in that light blue color, that's the best looking wagon of very, all time. Very much no. What's your favorite favorite wagon? Uh, Mercedes. Like, There's like eight Mercedes wagons that look better than it. Yeah, I think Mercedes does a really e good job. E63 AMG wagon, mm -hmm. really good looking. CTSV, CTSV is more yeah, angular. It looks like a br brick of butter. I know, but I like I like yeah. butter. You know, I think the RS6 wagon looks oh, better. Yeah. Uh Audi A4 like B5 wagon mm -hmm. looks better. The E92 they, they made an E92 M3 wagon over in Europe, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, that looks pretty good. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like the later one. I'd say Audi A4. Dude, fucking uh, Audi S2 looks better. Are you kidding me, dude? 
Jordan Peele's uh, E46 Wagon and Get Out. Wait, he's not in that movie. He directed it. Daniel Kaluuya's uh, E46 Wagon in that movie is It's a good-looking car, don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's the best-looking wagon of all time. Okay. I think the... Taycan Sport Turismo. Oh, Taycan Sport Turismo. Oh, best I forgot about car that. on the road. Well, I, would you call that a shooting break? Does it fucking matter? Yeah. Do I we think, need to give Yeah, you're right. If you want to, yeah, <laughs> that is more of a shooting break. Not really a station wagon. Why? What's the difference? There's like very little cargo room in the back. There's none. Yeah. All of the body of that car is just does not reflect. Yeah. I don't understand how a car that long can have no back seat. It has nothing. The back, the, you can fit in the back seat fine, but it's like yeah, if, if you've you, got you, like wicked witch of the west legs that like, can curl up. <laughs> I think like family car for it to be really a family car, like you need to be able to like take your family camping with it. I think mm-hmm. you know, like have two to you're two point so five, yeah, two point five kids and enough room for camping stuff in the back. And the I can you could not do that. You could not. It's you crazy you not. don't recognize your third kid as a full kid, dude. Well, I don't know if it's between two or three. You know, yeah. So I went with the average, two point five. I'm gonna get castrated after this. <laughs> not even, <laughs> not even a vasectomy. Just, just <laughs> it all off of me. Unicked. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, my I can sing falsetto after that. Did Max I'll really? Fall Sorry, on your knees <laughs> and hear the angels' voices. I know. <laughs> in the early 2000s, the minivan's greatest strengths, its practicality and spacious interior, flipped on a dime and made it exactly what people didn't want to drive. Gas prices suddenly fluctuated again. Now gas was cheap because we were at war. And at the same time, families were shrinking dramatically because everyone got castrated. <laughs> According to the U.S. Census in 1969, 11% of households had more than six people in them. Gross. But by 2000, only 3.6% did. And so SUVs began to rise in popularity. There was also like a weird wave of like six people in a house. That's a lot of people. Yuck. (laughs) There's also like a weird shift in the like public perception of the minivan around this time Mm -hmm. too. It probably had to do with, like, everything else in culture at that time. Mm-hmm. But, like, it went from, like, being, hey, a f- car that everybody could use to being, like, you're a bitch if you yeah. drive a yeah. minivan. Oh, finally give up your balls? Yeah. Yeah. What? Did your balls crawl into your butthole? This week on Mansers, how many cucks does it take <laughs> to make a minivan? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I would love to read, like, a... Maxim magazine on, article on the death of the minivan. <laughs> it's not gonna say Maxim. It's gonna say like an essay on like this the the culture of this the 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 Spike TV culture that we had. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like yellow cars were pretty common. Yeah, yellow. yeah. Yeah, you need yourself you need a, a yellow Chevy car. SSR. Yeah. In you need yellow. a soul patch and a yellow car. <laughs> you know, a wide soul yeah. patch. We're gonna go see Len in Pomona. If you're if you drive a minivan, it means your wife knows karate. <laughs> <laughs> Can we forget about the thing I said when I was drunk? I didn't mean to call you that. How many dogs can drive a car? <laughs> how many dogs does it take <laughs> to rip your balls off? What was the other one? How many how many fake boobs does it take to choke a dog? To choke a dog. Oh, the America. SUV as we know it today has many predecessors, most especially off-road military vehicles like the Willys MB Jeep and the British Land Rover. Term SUV first appeared in 1974 brochure for the Jeep Cherokee SJ, a two-door truck based on the Wagoneer. But it wasn't until 1984 in the updated four-door Cherokee XJ that drivers started to really notice SUVs as an option for more than off-roading. Ironically, despite their military origins, the rise of SUVs in commercial popularity came largely at the expense of family vans. Drivers liked sitting higher on the road and felt that the cars were safer to drive. SUVs had the same rear hatch, cargo capacity, and passenger space buyers had come to love in minivans, but driving one made you look like a freaking badass. Not a little wimp whose wife knows karate. Your wife knows karate. 
you don't even know what to do with nunchucks, but your wife uses them on you every night. <laughs> New from Taco Bell. New from Taco <laughs> Bell. If you drive a minivan, it means that your wife pegs you. <laughs> the popularity of SUVs captured several markets. Uh, the popularity of SUVs captured several markets who wouldn't be caught dead in a van because it makes you look like you get pegged. Young people... <laughs> Movie stars and even one OJ Simpson. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. He almost cut two people's heads off. <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> quiet. <laughs> in addition to Jeep, the Ford Explorer helped America embrace the SUV as a family car. While the Explorer had available four-wheel drive and was mounted on a frame similar to that of the Ford Ranger pickup, it was basically designed for the streets and incorporated important safety features such as airbags and reverse warning systems. It also flipped over. Yeah. My, uh, my, one of my childhood best friends, Andrew, shout out, saw him the other day. Uh, What's his no family. last name? Uh, you know, I, I, Andrew Bergdorf. Okay. Uh, I've heard about Ber this guy. Yeah, Andrew Bergdorf. Bergdorf. His family had one of these with the Eddie Bauer package. Eddie Bauer nice interior. Yeah. Yeah. There was one on uh, Craigslist for sale. I follow cool Craigslist cars on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, the original one had this really cool, like, asymmetrical grill. Oh. And it was a very boxy. It looked really good. But it also had this, like, this particular one had, like, cardinal red velour seats Ooh. that were just in perfect condition. Mm. Yeah. Velour. Mm, velour. Cardinal red. I'm from Louisville. We love cardinal <laughs> <laughs> The Explorer also showed why everyone deciding to commute in massive trucks might not be a good idea due to issues with rollovers and tire explosions. We talked about this on an earlier episode. Yeah, Ford really threw Firestone under the yeah, bus and so did a 100-year friendship. Mm -hmm. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, and they used to 69 with um, Thomas Edison. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Firestone. And Teddy Roosevelt was and there. Teddy Roosevelt was there, and they used to 69 on campus. Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart is back. <laughs> <laughs> you here? You guys here? Yeah, she's been she's been in Fiji the whole time. Yeah, she's back. Oh, she's, she's on uh, Dancing with the Stars now, right? Yeah, she's yeah. on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Pretty cool. She's she looks great. Yeah, that Fiji water really. Uh, mm -hmm. she's dating that Brody Jenner. Oh wow, yeah, he's back too. Dang! Wow, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who Brody Jenner is. That's a uh, Bruce's son. Mm -hmm. Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin, sorry. But the best example of an SUV, uh, but the best example of the SUV as an almost one-to-one -one replacement for minivans was in 2002 with the Honda Pilot. Nolan used to have one of these. Shouts to pilots. Honda Passport. Oh. A Suzu Rodeo. Same car. Oh, they're both travel themed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Amelia Earhart, Honda Pilot. Amelia Dingleberry Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> It had cavernous three-row seating like a minivan. The rear row of seats folded flat like a minivan. It had a DVD player and a moonroof like a minivan. It was even built on the same platform of the Honda Odyssey, huh. which is a minivan. Follow the money, people. If you don't notice, you're not paying attention. The Pilot is essentially a repackaged van for people who aren't ready to admit that it's time to get a van That's or so that their wife knows karate. <laughs> That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Honda does that quite a bit because the Ridgeline is based on like a car platform too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ridgeline, great truck. Is it? That's what I've heard. People hate it for some reason. Truck people hate it. Truck people hate it because it's unibody construction. Ridge, yeah, and Ridgeline front -wheel owners. Drive, uh, Ridgeline owners love it. Now, it would be interesting to see people's opinion on the front-wheel drive Maverick and see what they think about the Ridgeline as well. I, I might get a Ridgeline. My my buddy Nick Thune, one of the coolest dudes ever in the world. He's got a Ridgeline? Drives a Ridgeline. Wow. He's got great tattoos, amazing style. He's like 6'4". Great, uh, great musician. Great musician. He's very funny. Very funny. We should have him in. Sure. Okay. No comment. Oh, he was mean to Joe. Oh. But it's like everyone... Maybe it's just you. No, dude. I didn't say everyone. He was the dick. <laughs> he was the biggest dick I've ever uh, encountered at Damn. that stand-up show. Uh, John Mulaney, a wonderful guy. John Mulaney was rude to me. 
Oh, he was really nice to me. Johnny Ooh. Pemberton is one of the sweetest dudes I've ever Pemberton, met. One of my first friends in LA. Yeah. Cameron Esposito. Great. Very nice. Okay. John Mulaney was mean to me. However. <laughs> Did you spit gum into his mouth? No, I used to do that. <laughs> However, the pilot. Uh, yeah, maybe You're my reputation preceded me. <laughs> I used to be kind of an asshole. I used to be a real big piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I'm such a narcissist. I kind of think that that sketch is based on me. I don't. Do you know him? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that However, the pilot is also one of the huge gas-guzzling SUVs that led to the next evolution of family cars. Just as the sport utility class was peaking with over-the-top huge I'm trucks. Peaking! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vicks in my face. I'm peaking. <laughs> Just as the SUVs were peaking with over-the-top huge trucks like the Hummer H2 and Ford Excursion, another financial crisis hit and a new market segment evolved that evolution we're talking about is of course the crossover these things are the bane of many a car lover's existence mine. particularly among truck and suv enthusiasts also sports car people and haters everyone gonna else hate. haters, haters gonna, gonna hate. hate people hate on crossovers because they look like something they're not but there are good reasons why the family market loves them i can't wait to talk about my favorite crossover we'll get into it Technically, crossovers have existed for a long, long time. Like we mentioned before, the idea of using a small car platform to build a larger vehicle was what led to the minivan. And if you go by today's definition of a crossover SUV, then the 1934 Ford Tudor sedan technically counts as one. The rise of crossovers as a family vehicle is much more recent and, again, coincides with global circumstances. A worldwide recession in the mid-2000s hit American car companies particularly hard. And at the same time, another oil crisis and escalating climate concerns tanked the SUV market. Not only was owning an Escalade a billionaire-style luxury, it suddenly became billionaire-style unethical. But the American car companies recovered, mainly because they were bailed out by the government, but also because they adapted to the market by creating smaller, cheaper, more efficient crossovers that kind of looked like their big bro SUVs, but didn't carry the same price tag or stigma. The point is that the Ford Escape usurped the Explorer's marketplace, while the Chevy Equinox did the same to the Tahoe, etc., etc. My parents had an Equinox for a long time. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I used to work out at Equinox. Did you? Yeah. I'm making fun of how you said it, but yeah, I used to. Equinox? Equinox. Equinox. Whatever. Fuck. I don't give a shit. It means equal. Um, but the Honda CRV was really the crossover SUV that became the proof of concept success to other car companies. When it was introduced in the late 90s, the CRV gave families gas mileage close to the Honda Civic, but with way more space than a Civic could provide. Families soon discovered that they didn't need huge SUVs, just bigger compact cars. The Subaru Outback is arguably the definitive crossover. It started as a modified Subaru Legacy in wagon form and with a few more inches of ground clearance. But the Outback became its own entity in 2000, and today it's grown to 16 feet long and looks like an SUV without actually being one. But it still has enough clearance and the all-wheel drive necessary to make it practical for families in harsh climates and or extremely long, dangerous driveways like those in the Pacific Northwest. It's weird because I would consider it an SUV. It's capable. It's pretty high up. It does look like a wagon, though. That's the only thing. And it's not based on a truck platform, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They made, like, a legacy sedan. Have you ever seen one of those things? Yeah. yeah. So weird. Yeah. So sick. Not really. <laughs> they are very weird looking. Today, crossovers are the best-selling segment in the auto industry, making up 22.8% of all new cars sold in 2021. They're so popular that car companies are slapping everything from Bronco to Blazer to Mustang badges onto crossovers these days. Bronco Sport, little crossover. Little crossover. Great car. Great Blazer, car. haven't driven one. I don't really know. Mustang Mach-E, great car. Not a Mustang. Doesn't look good. Not really. The, the one we had for Omaze a couple months ago... It has, like, some appearance package. It had a body kit on it. I liked it. I thought it looked pretty good. But, yeah, I think they need, it. you know, the refresh will probably look a lot better. 
James, you have a crossover. You're you a little it. Tiguan. It's like a big fat golf. Yeah. I mean, it probably is, right? It, just, it is. It's just a fat a little golf. bubble. Just a big golf. With, it's got a golf engine. You got KWV3s on it. Yeah. Got rotiforms <laughs> on it. Got Toyos on it. Got sport mode. Got sport mode. That thing is quick. It is. It's just like a GTI. Yeah. Stealth mode. I have stealth mode. Does that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite crossover is the Mazda CX-5. I think that all the Mazda crossovers are really good looking. Yeah. If anyone that is not a car person, like mm-hmm. friends and family, ask me what car they should get, I always say Mazda Me too. CX-5. Yeah. And they always get it and they yeah. love it. It's yeah. great and looking. Then you, you get to look like a hero. Yeah. So the good. interiors are really nice. Yeah. The, uh, the like infotainment yeah, it's like above and beyond. I'm kind of smitten with the new CX50 that I think that's is, like the lifted one, right? Yeah, and it's got a little like plastic cladding. I yeah. think they're coming for like the cross track market. Yeah, definitely. But, but it looks way sick. nicer on the yeah. inside. I like Maz- plastic cladding. Mazdas are super nice on the inside, super comfortable. I I mean I think great screens. Mm-hmm. Mazda really one yeah. of the best screens. And in, you know what? It's a fun little car. Like yeah. it's not it's not a Miata obviously, but it like it feels you know it's a Mazda. You know when you drive it. You know um, who has uh, a, a, I definitely will have one. Jimbai Atai. Horse and Rider. Mm-hmm. What? Right. Mazda's uh, ethos. Yep. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but you know who doesn't have great screens? The Civic Type R. Mm-mm. Pretty bad screens. Mm, that's a silly car. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We like to think of the car industry as constantly evolving, but if we zoom out for a second, don't crossover SUVs kind of look like station wagons? Think about that definition from earlier. Generally car-shaped, but with the roof extended backward over a passenger and or cargo space that can be accessed through a rear door. Does it sound familiar? People follow the money. Follow the money. If you're not scared, you're not paying attention. <laughs> if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for nothing. How many boobs does it take to choke a dog? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Advances in technology and aesthetic taste make today's crossover sleeker than old-fashioned wagons, but the concept is remarkably similar. Now they're just called sport wagons or crossovers to avoid the embarrassing stigmas of the past. Ultimately, these classifications of station wagon versus SUV versus crossover mean more to car companies than they do to the average consumer. Even the idea of a family car might not mean the same thing that it used to, thanks to evolving definitions of the word family itself. Like, I'd consider you guys my family. I'd consider you guys family. (laughs) Yeah, we're family. And even though I don't own a dog, I do consider myself a dog dad. (laughs) (laughs) The future of the family car might hinge on some new idea like the magic door gate. Or because gas prices are higher than ever, maybe crossovers will shrink even further. On the flip side, the rise of electric technology could support cars that are bigger than ever. Biggest cars, big as a house. I I want the biggest car ever. Maybe those tall, boxy Euro vans that are popping up everywhere could be the next thing, although I doubt it. Or maybe we missed the point with this episode entirely, and we haven't even touched on the real family car. After all, the best-selling vehicle for the past 30 years running isn't a station wagon, a minivan, an SUV, or a crossover. It's the Ford F-150, so maybe pickup trucks have been the real family car all along. Oh, Or maybe 
the family car was under our noses this entire time. Oh. And it's not a car at all. It's a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? What matters more than the make and model of your family car are the memories you make along the way. Oh. And the stale french fries you shove into the seat. Oh, <laughs> nice little wrap up. Wow. Wait, why are you shoving them into the seat? They just dropped. Bored. All right. Well, that was an awesome story. Um, awesome Maz- story. Mazda CX-5. Great riffs. Mazda CX-5. Volkswagen Tiguan. Um, Mustang of the skies. Mustang, Mustang. of the sky. <laughs> P51 Mustang Cadillac, Cadillac of the of sky. The sky. <laughs> uh, we got some fan mail. This is uh, from Carl with a K, which is, in my opinion, the best way to spell. That's the best way. If you if you're a Carl with a C, <laughs> sorry, but your wife probably knows karate. <laughs> Hi there, big fan of the podcast. Been listening since the launch of the podcast. Nice, thanks. My idea for an episode is about the auto renter companies, Avis, Hertz, etc., which do have both positives, Hertz Special Editions, and negatives. Grand Theft Auto charges. Mm. Um, he also has a correction for the Fordlandia episode when Nolan mentioned that Walt Disney went down to Brazil to see the district, and that was the inspiration for Disneyland. Well, Walt Disney and his animators did go to South America. That was in 1941, and the inspiration for Disneyland was visiting the Henry Ford Greenfield Village in Dearborn in 1948 while going to a model train convention. Hmm. Fordlandia was already abandoned seven years before Walt Disney visited South America. Whoa, good correction. Yeah, that's a good one. I look forward to every new episode, even if Nolan is an idiot that gets things wrong all the time. And I tell everyone I talk to if they're interested in auto industry figures, events. So I ask them to listen to Pot. Well, pass gas. Thank you, Carl, for spreading the good word. Yeah, thanks, Carl. P.S. for Joe. Did you ever go to the Milwaukee Mile Racetrack? Oh, yeah. I went, I think, one time as a kid. Uh, you don't remember dog? it much. I probably had a hot dog. I probably was uh, underprepared for ear do protection. They have the, the trough style urinals? Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> you like them? I don't like them. Why? They're all pissing in the same thing. Yeah. yeah. What's the big deal? I love to feel the heat coming <laughs> off of it. <laughs> I lay down on it sometimes. Okay. Uh, but also, here's here's another tidbit. Walt Disney also got inspiration from Clifton's Cafeteria in really? downtown LA for Disneyland what? because really? it's yeah, they have it's like a crazy bar that's been around since the 20s. The four story one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's four stories with a giant fake tree going through the they top. Make you of wear it. a collared shirt. To yeah, get into the, really. Yeah, the bar. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. So, I went dumb. Went there I right car. before a pandemic hit. It yeah, was a great fuck night. Clifton's. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Clifton's. Fuck Walt Disney. Fuck Henry Ford. I'm James Pumphrey. You can follow me <laughs> on uh, social media at James Pumphrey. You can follow Joe at Joe G Weber. Nolan at Nolan J Sykes. Uh, if you don't already know, we have a YouTube channel called Donut Media. And we make videos and we upload them a bunch of times a week. Um, check out our new podcast that Nolan is hosting. Yeah. Uh, along with two very funny and smart people uh, called DRS Donut Racing Show, where he talks about F1 uh, right after the race. Mm-hmm. Super fun Wednesdays. That baby. Peep it out. Keep it out, people. Keep it out with your ears. All right. Uh, you can email us at passgas at donutmedia.com. Let us know how many boobs it takes to choke a dog. All right. All right. <laughs> Later. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now 
All you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.